With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As always, the BSN Buffs podcast is brought to you by our friends over here at Blake Street Tavern, where we record the podcast once a week without our friends and family over here at Blake Street Tavern. Our podcast would not happen or would not happen to the extent or silliness that it does. Of course, that's not even to say anything about their food or their drinks, which are terrific. They just redid their menu. Uh, We stumbled upon some choices today, which I I tried something new. It was good, the chicken pizza sandwich. Well, we've eaten pretty much everything on the menu, so anytime something new comes in, we got to get on it. Jake seemed to like the chicken pizza sandwich. I've had the new desserts, uh, of course, the apple pie slice, and there's a creme brulee, I believe, that is fantastic. So come on down and, and scope all that out. The music's also on point most of the time. Allie was singing Dark Side of the Moon earlier <laughs> by Pink Floyd. No way. You were you were away for that, but it was pretty good. I missed that. <laughs> I was upset that I wasn't recording for a background track. Uh, Anyways, Blake Street Tavern, <laughs> check them out here on Blake and 22nd in downtown Denver. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast, powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Baseline inbounds pass. The trigger man will be Parker Jackson Cartwright. Jackson Cartwright looking into Markin and instead throws deep to Trier. High up, three-point shot. Good! Lonzo Trier from Henderson hits that one. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Konigsberg, Jake Shabiro, and Ali Monroy. Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast, coming to you from the Blake Street Tavern, as we just said a couple seconds ago. Ryan Koningsberg, Ali Monroy, alongside me, Jake Shapiro. We are back. The trio is back. First time in over a month. Uh, an entire spring ball season happened. The rest of the basketball season happened, which still was not exciting for the most part. It got a little bit exciting for a second, but it really wasn't that when exciting. When was the last time we were all together? Uh, we called it winter ball, so it was before... It was before. It was. It was, it was like right the, at the beginning of of late winter ball. It was the first day <laughs> after. Uh, it's still not. Oh yeah, it is spring. Yeah, Today yeah. is spring. Today is spring. Spring has sprung. Spring has oh. sprung. Oh man, I don't know how how we do this with you. Anyways. Yeah, uh, Ryan yesterday decided to talk about talk every for ten straight minutes. Anything he would say had a. That sounds. It uh, was absolutely ridiculous. It was a great brand exercise. No. An exercise. You're just flexing. Yep. Just exactly. Flexing. It was awful. Anyways, we got spring ball wrap up for you. Spring game. Uh, talk about that a little bit. We were all sitting in the booth together for that one. Uh, is there a quarterback competition? We'll talk about that a little bit. Basketball recap, of course. Uh, I was out there in Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. The NIT happened. Uh, the NIT happened and didn't happen for the Buffs basically as quick as uh, that, that. The whole thing just happened so quick and was finished so quick. Uh, but we do have the WNIT. The and the WNIT is still going on. Uh, lady Buffs play tonight. Oh, don't say Lady Buffs. That's all awful. Buffs, 
are equal. They're exactly. all just buffs. I grew up in the era where the women's basketball team was actually called the ladies bu lady buff. So that's like habitual for me. Oh, no. I, I don't say it like when I type, when I look at it, I'm like, oh, that doesn't look right. But like when I think of the women's basketball team, I still think lady buffs. I understand, but it just it sounds awful. I know. It does sound <laughs> terrible. Uh, and I'm Ralphie's glad they got girl, rid of it. So. The, weird one <laughs> are, the weird ones are uh, like Wyoming is the cowgirls for their female sports. Mm. Like, like they Which changed the nickname of the team. That's right, though. Because like right. the girls can't be the cowboys. The lady cowboys. Yeah, the oh, lady wow. cowboys. <laughs> like, Technically, girls the can be boys. whatever they want to be, Ryan. So they like could it, be the cowboys. You can't be a cowboy. <laughs> a lady police, the lady police officers. <laughs> I mean, you could be a cowboy, but that's a whole different conversation that we'd have to have. <laughs> what do you call a female mailman? It's a, just a, a male, male man. woman. A male woman? No, you don't need to a change A female man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, this if is If Nina's good. listening to this, she's angry. You guys are going to receive some texts. We're just br we have to conversate about the barriers and the gray areas of our society in order yeah. to progress. We're just, we're just able to address issues more openly than other podcasts. Oh, I mean... Okay. This being a lifestyle podcast, <laughs> it's our it's our duty to address the tough issues. I think that's true. Uh, speaking of tough, uh, tough news this week for Colorado. Ralphie Four, uh, better known as Rowdy, to those of uh, Rowdy Ralphie people that knew her, uh, passed away at the age of 19, almost 20. Lived from or was on the sidelines for 10 years between 1998 to 2008. Saw a pretty solid era of Colorado football as the mascot. Uh, and, of course, Ralphie Five had not been to a bowl game, or the Buffs hadn't been to a bowl game under her era uh, until this year. So a lot of people looked at Ralphie Four as kind of the last great Buffalo, so to speak, uh, for the CU Buffs. But either way, she passed away peace peacefully uh, at her ranch out there in Henderson and uh, lived a very, very solid life, uh, of course, known for that one horn that kind of hooked down on her right side and the other horn that hooked up on the left. A very distinctive look uh, out of all the five buffaloes that have run, or five bison that have run for Colorado uh, over the course of, since they've been doing this. But uh, either way, I know for me, Rowdy was the first buff I saw run uh, at Folsom Field. I don't know about you, Ryan, but that's the first one I – I, I mean, that's the first one I definitely had memory of. Right. It's, I was going to say, it's the first uh, Buffalo I have memory of watching. I think second Buffalo I ever saw um, going to Folsom when I was a, a little, little kid. But, you know, 98, I was six years old. So that's uh, the first memories I truly have of seeing Ralphie. And I think anyone – who has been to Folsom in their childhood knows that the first time you see Ralphie is like the coolest thing ever. It really is. It's amazing. Even when you see him, um, her, her, my apologies. She comes to the Blake street tavern. Um, Ralphie five has come to the Blake street tavern before and we see her up close and it's just, it's always a treat. Exactly. So you'll always remember, you know, you see the kids it's it. It's amazing for everyone, but I feel like it's more about the kids. So you'll always look to that first Ralphie that you ever saw run. Uh, and, so Ralphie Four, Rowdy will always hold a special place in our hearts. Of course, Blackout, the current Ra Ralphie. I, I have a lot of good memories of her thus far. Uh, and I've heard some rumors swirling around that they're looking into replacing 
blackout. It's getting to the time. I think she's almost on year 10 now. Uh, they don't really want them to go further than that. So, you know, uh, look for that. And, of course, Rowdy in her retirement uh, was still in the public a little bit. Uh, they would bring her out for events uh, and use her for pictures uh, as well. They, on, on game days, I believe they had both most of the time at Folsom really? Field until about two, three years ago. Yeah. I didn't know that. They, they would put one uh, towards the alumni tent while, the, while Blackout was getting ready to run so that they could take, so fans could take pictures with uh, Rowdy. Oh, so okay. uh, they were doing that for a while. I don't think they did this this past year, but anyways, uh, that was the big news uh, to see football. The other stuff that happened, uh, spring ball, uh, spring game. Spring game is the worst. Yep. I hate the spring game. I've been saying that for years. At least there was good weather this year. It was beautiful weather. Uh, that made me hate it more because I was like, why am I here out of all places? But, hey, being see, at Folsom you're, on you're, a nice day. That's a terrible take. That's one of your worst takes because I'll take being at Folsom for any I reason agree. on any day over being in, like, 99.9% of any other places. <laughs> I'd rather be sitting on my porch drinking a beer. So I'd rather just be sitting at Folsom drinking a beer. Yeah, well, I can't drink beers when I'm at Folsom. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the spring game. Also important news of um, something that was lost this week. Oh. <laughs> uh, my trusty water bottle after two years of great service to me was lost at the spring game. Uh, if you have any information on her whereabouts, uh, we were taking tips uh, it's at, blue. at Ryan Konigsberg on Twitter. Ryan has a love affair with this water bottle and it's got a couple gray marks on it from scratches it's the longest relationship i've ever been in <laughs> you've been you've been with friends with this water bottle longer than you've been with me as a friend <laughs> yes water bottle we were through we went through a lot together <laughs> you graduated with that water bottle didn't you yep special place in your heart it holds a very special place in my heart so if you know anything about her whereabouts please please reach out Anyway, uh, the spring game, uh, the Buffs won. Buffs also lost. Did the Buffs they lose also them? tied because there was no score. Did they lose? See, here's the thing that makes the spring game even worse is it's one thing to make it an inter-squad scrimmage. It's another to go offense versus defense. It sucks. Like, most schools do the, the black versus gold team or whatever, and it's legitimately an inter-squad scrimmage. The first team defense and the second team defense versus the first team defense and the second team offense. That's cool. I like that. What they do it's more entertaining. sucks. Yeah. I, I feel like Mike McIntyre has no interest in making the spring game an entertaining affair. So, yeah, do they do a couple fun little things like Tim Lineout running slant routes and uh, Javier Edwards trying to uh, play defensive back? Yeah, that's fun. I was entertained for was that fun? 37 seconds. <laughs> and they were a great 37 seconds. The problem is I think Mike McIntyre is a lot more interested in, in using this opportunity as an actual practice and making sure guys don't get hurt. But it's like a fake pra – it's even a fake practice because they – someone said this to me. They're like, they get one spring game. Why don't they just play for the full two hours? I'm like, because they don't want to show anything. Like when right. they do those scrimmages mm -hmm. that they have at Folsom, those closed-door scrimmages, they legitimately scrimmage for two hours. Like this – the whole spring game is bullshit. It is, and that's why for years I've said it's eggnog. 
And if you've been following me long enough, you know that uh, phrase, but eggnog. I don't know that phrase for anyone so else who doesn't. So eggnog comes do. around once a year, right? Like, you mm-hmm. don't just see eggnog in stores. And, like, because every it's year. it's actually bad. Every year you're like, oh, yeah, eggnog. Like, that's all right. I'll, I'll have a sip. And then you take a sip of it and you're like, why did I do that? Eggnog is terrible. A lot of people like eggnog. No. So <laughs> spring football, you're like, oh, yeah, football. Like, it's been a while since I saw the buffs. And actually it hasn't been that long this time because we got so used to a whole month left of less of football season. This year you got the Alamo Bowl, which and there was no time off. I literally, right. I literally had January and two weeks in February before I was covering the Buffs again. Yeah, it's like football if, team. It's like if eggnog re-entered stores right now. Like, you would probably know that it's not good, and that's what we knew this year. Spring football is terrible. The spring game is terrible, and as always, it was eggnog, and eggnog sucks. I was like, in half the stories I wanted to write, I was like, I'm just going to write this in fall camp. What's the point of doing it now? Here's the thing. If someone says they like Ryan's eggnog. Ryan's pointing at me right now. He's very serious. Ask them, why, aren't, why don't you have it in your fridge right now? Because a lot of people just like it for Christmas. It's just like Christmas music. They know it's terrible music. Facts, if anyone doesn't know, Ryan hates Christmas music. I'm with you can him. only listen to it like the day before Christmas. You get Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Those are the only two days that that type of music is I understand acceptable. that, like, they start playing Christmas music in November. That's a little intense. But at least, like, a week before Christmas, yeah, for sure. It's just Get it's in be- the spirit. Like, no. You, Stop being the Grinch. I'm a bigger <laughs> Grinch than him. You're fully aware of the fact that Christmas music is bad music. I like listening to it sometimes. You wouldn't ever put it on a playlist on your iPod. No, I would only put it on my. (laughs) That's like Daniel Tosh has a bit about how the national anthem is really bad because no one has it on their iPods. It's like if the national anthem's so good, why isn't it on any of your iPods? I that's a one time a year I listen to Michael Bublé and it's great. He has a great voice. Yeah, he does have a great voice. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fine. That's when you listen to it. All I'm saying is if you like eggnog... You're not going to be listening to your summer playlist in the winter. Your analogy just doesn't Dude, make sense. of course. I just broke out Van Brand the other day, like three days ago, when it was then warm. Then why is it called a summer playlist and not just your overall playlist? Because it was warm outside. I don't believe in seasonal playlists. I I, you have a summer thing on your playlist. I do, but I can listen to that playlist at any time. But then why is it called summer? that's when it was made. <laughs> All I'm saying is if you like eggnog... Go to the damn store or go on Amazon and order some eggnog and send me a picture or a video of you drinking it in the middle of the damn summer. Someone do it just to prove him wrong. Please. <laughs> I want a video Please. of someone. Milk was a bad choice. Just them doing <laughs> eggnog. Eggnog was a bad choice. Exactly. God. So does that mean? No. Never mind. What? I'm just done with this argument. Good. God. Me too. You have awful takes, Ryan. My takes are <laughs> literally always good. Uh, Back to spring ball. Spring, spring ball. game. Uh, I'm trying to think of what happened to like bridge the topic, but nothing happened. So uh, we saw the quarterback situation. Oh yeah. A little well, bit. I was trying to r- wait for that one because that's like the biggest topic we have. On we didn't see ball. much of Phil at all, which was disappointing. Well, we did not get our Phil. We. But it made sense that we didn't really see Phil much. He, didn't because he have zero carries? Yeah, he had zero he had carries. zero carries. Right. <laughs> they are, well, they had two running backs go down this spring, so it wasn't like they were going to make Phil do anything. Bisharet looked pretty solid, and he Michael did. Adkins did too. Uh, I really don't think Michael Adkins is a guy that's going to really play. But uh, No, 
he's one of those guys, you know, when you've gotten a steady diet of Atkins, uh, he's been solid. But he just can't stay healthy. And the coaches, coaches can't stand players like that because you can't, you don't want to put anything on their shoulders because you don't know if you can count on them. You know, it's, it's the friend that you can't trust and you don't want to make plans with them because you're like, I just make plans with someone who I know will actually follow through and, and show up. You, you don't want to make plans with the person who always cancels at the last minute. So that's kind of how the coaches and many coaches feel about these players that can't stay healthy. It's like we, we can't put you into a role where you're going to start taking more reps away from guys that we're confident have a better chance of being more healthy than you. So Well, I mean, McIntyre talked um, about after the game during his little press conference thing on the field. <laughs> um, he talked about how he, he was surprised. Like, he had a, a surprising tone when he was like, yeah, well, Michael Atkins is healthy, and we haven't seen that in a while. So that's why we put him in there and had him run multiple plays. But he just seemed so, like, surprised. Like, you know, he did a good job, but we just haven't seen much of him being healthy throughout his time here. According to Mike McIntyre, everyone is in perfect weight and shape in spring ball. Everyone is having the spring ball of their lives, including guys that weren't even practicing. Like you asked him about, De I, I asked, someone asked him about Devin Ross like the third day of spring ball. And he's like, yeah, Devin looks great out. Devin wasn't practicing. Devin was academically ineligible. Well, Devin looks McIntyre great out here. De uh, what? And then you find out, you know, I find out, of course, that Devin was academically, he's fine now, and he worked through it. But, like, Devin missed half a spring ball. And then you asked him about Ryan Moeller late in, this, late in, the, in the spring ball. He's like, yeah, well, like, what, we haven't heard much about Ryan Moeller. Where's Ryan Moeller? Because you could kind of tell when Mac's not bringing up guys' names. That's mm -hmm. where, like, you start to raise questions. So we hadn't talked about Ryan Moeller. So you're like, where's Ryan Moeller been? Max, like, Ryan Muller, yeah, you know, he's been a guy that's so good out here on defense, blah, 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 blah. I literally just asked Ryan Muller, I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I pulled my hammy like two weeks ago, and it's, it's fine. And I'm not He just practicing. wants it to seem but fine. He's after all the controversy, after all the coaching staff completely switching. But I'm going to call know? him on his, I'm going to call him on his bullshit. The that's problem fine. Is that's coaches what your job is. Right. Coaches are never going to share anything that they don't have to share. And in... Mike McIntyre doesn't have to worry about anything because they don't have to play a game on Saturday. If they right, have to play a game on Saturday, maybe he tells you, yeah, Ryan Moeller's dealing with a hammy and whatnot. But, but that's why it bothers me is because they don't have a game on Saturday, so what's the difference if he says, yeah, Donovan Lee missed practice today, we think well, he's okay. Well, what's the point? It's spring ball. Coaches don't want anyone what's to know anything. What's the point in you knowing that if you can't see any of the practices, we aren't allowed to see anything well, that's the only going point, on. The if only Donovan point Lee hurt himself then and he's going to be back in a week, you, you're never going to see that. You're never going to see the difference in what happened. So what's the, the point in McIntyre telling you? And them something? having closed practices at this point because it's five people that cover the buffs on an everyday basis. They let those five people in to cover the buffs. They know they can trust them. We don't have, they could take away our phones. It doesn't matter. They could let us do it. The only reason that they have closed practice is so that they can get exclusive content on cubuffs.com, which turns out to be garbage half the time. Let's be honest. So they are not doing their jobs and promoting themselves on cubuffs.com, and it just looks bad overall because they have an opportunity to do really cool things with CU Video and the players that they have currently and the hype around the program, they screw it up every day. Every day. I feel like you really, really wanted to get on this soapbox, but. Yes. I can honestly tell you that that's not the overarching reason why they have closed practices in spring. 
it's because coaches are extremely paranoid. And that's really what it comes down to. They don't want anyone to know anything Especially whose office what isn't in last the Champions year. Center. With um, what team? Uh, Wake Forest. With what happened with one of oh, their... Oh, yeah, right. With the, the radio guy giving tips. Yeah. To other teams. No one, look, it's just Coaches are paranoid. of the belief that no one can be trusted if they aren't on the payroll. Here's the thing. And look, the even first that guy was on the payroll and he couldn't be trusted. The first thing that when the Larry Stacy thing came out a few weeks ago about how he was doing all this stuff in practice, one, of the C- one, C- one CSU reporter t- texted me. His first response was, now I know why they were p- the practices have always been closed. They all, they all have something but, to hide. Right, exactly. And that's the thing, though. When you have Tad Boyle, Tad Boyle ain't hiding shit. No. Because Tad Boyle doesn't feel the need to hide anything. And that's actually probably one of the reasons why he's not as great as he could be. He should be trying to hide more things. That's pro- that's, but that's on a different <laughs> right. spectrum there, bud. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get a read in here real quick for Jackson's, which is uh, opened up in March of 1977 and quickly became the place for watching sports. Almost 40 years later, and Jackson's All-American Sports Grill is keeping their reputation alive. There are 65- and 70-inch TVs everywhere, and the food is still amazing. There's almost 30 beers on tap, including tabletops that you can control at your own booth. Come down to Jackson's All-American Sports Grill in Greenwood Village off of Arapaho and I-25, the original sports grill. The other thing from spring ball that was really interesting, and this is one of the only things I think uh, that we learned or changed my opinion on a subject was Sam Neuer. Sam Neuer, from everything that I heard, everything that I saw, was terrific in spring. And, you know, when I originally heard this narrative I'm going to say I heard this narrative in about November that, look out, Shap, Sam Neuer could be the buff starting quarterback next year. It might not be Steven Montez. I scoffed at that. I was, no way, Montez. Anyone would. And then you keep hearing more and more about Neuer, and, not, and this is not a knock against Montez because I think Montez has also had a very good spring, but Neuer has progressed to a level that, there is a legitimate open quarterback candidacy. Obviously, Montez is the shoe-in to be the starter, but I don't think Neuer can be questioned out of starting. And here's the other thing. In the last two years, we've been proven that CU needs three, start, three, three quarterbacks every year. And they need this, the backup to be very solid, too. Montez was very solid last year. Neuer could be that guy this year. The question then becomes who's going to be that third quarterback this year. They didn't really have that last year. I mean, Jordan Gerke was not reliable at all ever, so he, they really didn't have but that last year. They're not going to burn Tyler Lytle's red shirt just so that he could be thrown no, into I there. No, I agree with that. Which means there's going to be a – The marksman. Right. There's going to be a, uh, a non-scholarship player taking snaps if, you know, if circumstances yes. happen, which they have in the past. I've already given him a nickname, so he's – He's got the job. Casey Marksberry. <laughs> he looks pretty solid. The too. marksman. He looks solid. And Tyler All the McGarry quarterbacks looks pretty solid, honestly. About too. But what, what do you guys make of the narrative that Sam Neuer could be the guy for CU at some point in 2017? I'll say this. Steven Montez is a supremely talented athlete to Sam Neuer. He's faster. He, can, he's more, uh, he has more escapability. He's got a bigger arm. What Sam Neuer has is an extremely accurate arm. And I remember listening to Brian Lindgren when he first came to Colorado talking about this offense, 
and he said, we, we need an accurate quarterback. We need a guy who can make easy passes look easy. Well, that's what Sam Neuer does. He makes easy passes look easy, and really not even Cepho did that a lot of the time last year. This offense is all about getting easy yards. It's about throwing it out there to Phil Lindsay in the flat when you know that he can get four yards. It's about hitting Devin Ross on a drag route and letting him run. There's a lot to be said for a guy who can just kind of flick it out there and make it easy on, on everyone. So I think Sam Neuer is going to continuously look like a great player in practice because what he's being asked to do is just complete passes, and that's what he does great. To me, though, when it comes down to it, the guy who is the superior athlete in Steven Montez will end up winning the job because you're always going to fall in love with the potential of the big plays and the you know the the guy the play that looks like he's going to get sacked and he wiggles out and you know flicks it 60 yards down the field to Shea Fields for a touchdown. Steven Montez is going to be that guy over Sam Neuer. And I'm not saying Sam Neuer isn't athletic and he can't make plays with his feet or anything like that. Steven Montez though He's the perfect quarterback body. He's escapable. He's, he's got legs. He's got the huge arm. I think in the end, as long as he can kind of hold serve and not look bad, he's going to end up being the guy. I, can, I agree. Sia Montes is a really athletic quarterback. And after the spring game, I was the first to say that I wasn't impressed with what I saw. He threw an interception on the first play of this game. And I was pretty disappointed in that because I expected Steven Montes to come out hot. And we talked about it in our post-spring game or post -spring game video about how the main time that we saw Steven Montes come out so hot was that Oregon game. But he does have that extra experience that Sam Neuer doesn't have. And I can see Sam Neuer coming into the same position that Steven Montes was in last year where, you know, if Cepho went down, you felt comfortable with Steven Montes. And I feel like I can see if anything were to happen to Steven Montes, Sam Neuer would be right there and we would feel comfortable having him on the field and he would be a great quarterback. But just athleticism, experience, needing to find a way to lead this team after the leadership that just left, I think Steven Montes will end up taking that final spot. You know, I want to make a quick edit to what Ryan said. He, he kind of discounted Neuer's athleticism. From what I've heard. I came back around at the end and said that, it's not, that he's not athletic. Right, but compared to Montez, what I've heard is that Neuer is a better runner than Montez outside of the tackles, and that Neuer is a very solid scrambling quarterback, although he normally hangs out in the pocket. So uh, keep that in mind. I think, honestly, Steven Montez will take it at first, but if he's proven to kind of be overhyped, and he isn't playing well, and he isn't showing the potential that he did last year, then Sam Neuer will, could definitely take that position right off out of him. We've given Montez the benefit of the doubt for almost a year now, and he deserved it because he was a freshman. But if you look at his season last year, he only had two very good games, and that was Oregon State and Oregon. Aside from that, he didn't really look that good for CU. Uh, but what I will say is that Neuer does not fit the lineage of Colorado quarterback that has currently been desired. When you look at Cepho Lufau to Steven Montez, there's a clear comparison. Both, the, both of the two can fit that same style that, that they ran last year offensively. When you look at Tyler Lytle, his body build and his style of play as a quarterback can also fit into that. Sam Neuer is a completely different quarterback than those two, and he will not fit this offense the same way that Montez will just replacing Lufau. Yeah, I think you've got it right there. I think there's a mold now, and I don't even know if it was done on purpose. I think if you asked Mike McIntyre when 
he took over at CU, you know, is Sefo Lufau the type of quarterback that is perfect for your system? And you'd say no. But the system changes and the system develops, and now they kind of like the idea of having this big, burly quarterback who can, you know, he can do a little power running for you if, if you need him to. The, the Buffs love that QB trap so much. They're going to keep running it with Steven Montez and, and Tyler Lytle on down the line. So that's another reason why I think Montez kind of fits what you love to do on offense. But that's not to say Sam Neuer can't go in there and take it because despite not being a, the highest rated guy coming out of high school or whatever, all that matters is once you're in the black and gold or whatever team you're on, what do the coaches think of you? And the coaches Definitely. are starting to really like him. I mean, I think just all the hype is around Steven Montez right now after Cepho. He was the last one on the field after the spring game. He, I don't even know how many fans he talked to, but he was the last one on the field. Every fan wanted to shake his hand, congratulate him, talk to him. The little kids were all over him. You know, he's just the hype right now behind Colorado football, one of the hypes. And I think it'd be really hard to take that away from him and give it to someone else when everyone's really – scared after all the seniors have left and they're just trying to find a place to put their hope on and right now Steven Montez is that guy in my opinion. Allie has Montez as a lock and speaking of locks Colorado Safe Outlet has the largest selection of safes in Colorado. Don't waste your time at big box retailers looking at safes that don't suit your needs. Instead come to Colorado Safe Outlet where an expert will set you up with exactly what you need. No more and no less. Once you pick the perfect safe, they will deliver it to your home fast and easy. Check them out online at coloradosafeoutlet.com or visit one of their two locations in Centennial or Stapleton. So, you guys really missed out. Uh, Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. Uh, buffs sucked, but Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. Uh, first year you weren't there, Ryan, in quite Sad some times. time. Uh, Allie still hasn't gone. I've never been. I've never been to Vegas in general. It was fun. <laughs> oh man, was it fun! Ah, I'm still recovering. I think it's been like three weeks, and I'm still recovering. Do you drink, Jake? It wasn't the drinking that <laughs> got to me. It was like the no sleep. I mean, yeah, that's the weird thing about Vegas is there's no concept of time. There's just none. Like, no matter how hard I tried, there is just zero concept of time. Because like, I was legitimately trying to work the first two days when the buffs were playing, and I was just like. I normally show up to basketball games two hours early. For the Buffs game versus Arizona, I was there like 20 minutes early. I was like, I was like, how did that? Like, I was like, I was like, I swear to God, I was like on time, and then I was just not. Got distracted. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Buffs basketball season. Uh, since the last time we talked to you, they went to Las Vegas. They beat Washington State. They lost to Arizona. They made the NIT. Lost to University of Central Florida. Um, not many exciting things happened. Derek White was phenomenal in the last. I was going to say games. the only thing that really matters about anything that happened this entire season is Derek White. I agree. He he was so good in the last three games of his college career. Uh, it was it's funny because I I wanted to go back to listen to the podcast, the preseason basketball podcast, where you were like Derek's going to average this, this, and this, and then Will's like Nah, he's going to average this, this, and this. And, like, I think you were a little boisterous, and Will was, like, a little cutting you down, and it was way closer to what you said than what Will yep. said. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a knock on Will. It's just saying, like, to whatever Derek White's high-end bust potential was for this year, he, if he didn't reach it, he reached it in the last 
10 to 15 games of his college career, which were terrific. And I think if Derek has any regrets about this season, it'll be that he didn't just come in with that killer mentality from day one. I think he, he kind of came in with the idea that he and George King and Josh Fortune and XJ and Wes were all going to kind of share the load, and he was going to do his best to get them involved early in games. And, you know, when you look back on this season, all of those dudes were so inconsistent and so unreliable that if Derek looks back, he'll probably say, dang, day one, game one, I should have hit the floor trying to score 30 every single game. But how could he imagine that? No, he really, couldn't. I like, think that's just what when he's – year seniors, how they can't pick up the slack, how they can't be there to support him. Like, he's a transfer, you know. He, he was the one who was going into a program that, with these players, should have already been at the level that it was last year. And – like you said, Derek, Derek White was the guy for that all year. I talked it's disappointing. To a former buff that had just graduated in December, that had graduated last year, but I talked to him in December. He was on the basketball team, uh, notable buff. I'm not going to share his name, but point being, he told him and the guys that went out told Derek that when Derek started the season that he should – let the players find their roles and not try to take over. And that Derek, for the first few months of the season, he should, you know, try to dish out and try and let everyone find their rhythm and get into the flow of the season, and that he shouldn't just take over. Well, how could and you then, come in as a transfer just feeling like you're the leader on well, top? I feel like that's really hard. As a hard. leader, you're supposed to let guys – you're exactly. supposed to make everyone else around you better. So this is good advice, sound advice, if you ask me. Uh, sage advice from a very veteran basketball player. And what he tells me in December, he goes, I was wrong. Derek should, Derek right now, if he hasn't already flipped that switch, should be flipping that switch and be taking over. He should have done this two weeks ago because obviously no one else can do this. Um, in this and, and he was like almost um, regretful in the fact that he gave him pretty good advice in my opinion. And I told him like, that's good advice. He's like, I don't know because they're struggling. And at this point, Everyone was kind of like, they're not going to make the tournament, blah, 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 even though they had just beat Xavier. And he's like, they just don't look good, and Derek's their only hope. And this was told to me in December. So I, I, I find it very interesting what you were saying because um, in the spectrum of the team, Derek was doing the right thing by not being this guy that was getting 30-8 and eight every night in November. Right, and he was. And – I don't think he, you know, he could have ever done it. I'm just saying when he goes to sleep at night, he probably thinks to himself, damn, what, wh how would things be differently if in that CSU game I hit the floor and was just out there to kill no matter what? And I think you know, things could have been differently. Things could have been different if Derek White would have been able to know what he was going to get from his teammates before the season started. Obviously he can't, but – I think that's what he'll wish. I just wish we could have seen Derek White play with a different Colorado basketball team because he would have been phenomenal. Ryan and but I you put were – put Derek on last year's right. team? Right. Yeah. And that's what I was about to say. Ryan, you and I are two of maybe six people that saw Josh Scott and Derek White play basketball together. Yeah. It was awesome. It was. Um, but, yeah, he would have been perfect on last year's team. He would have been perfect. Remember last year we talked so much about if they just had consistent guard play down the stretch – if they just had consistent guard play down the stretch, if they got a guy they could count on to put the ball in his hands, that probably could have been a Sweet 16, Sweet 16 team or better last season. 
with Derek White on the floor. Imagine Derek this on year, the floor instead of Josh Fortune in that game in the tournament last year. Right. Think about it this year. The only thing they got was consistent guard play. Literally, that's the only thing they got the whole season. Derek and whenever, when, ever since Dom got healthy, Dom was great. Dom um, played well too. Dom played very well. Uh, and then I think the only, and like the fact that they were relying upon Xavier Talton last year as much as they were uh, was an indictment of how bad they needed a guy like Derek White. And that's not a knock on Xavier Talton. It was just that Xavier Talton never stepped in to be the guy that was Nate Tomlinson. Right. Um, Xavier Talton had a fine career at Colorado. Uh, but the other th thing uh, about this team, you know, there were so many things that were just confoundly and madly upsetting. Uh, <laughs> but I got to start with this one. I've been asked three times this week, is Tad Boyle going to lose his oh, job? Yeah. And the answer is a flat, big fat no. I've heard um, so many people are questioning it. Because sports fans are stupid. It's <laughs> funny when – it's just funny, though, because the expectation gets to a certain point and people forget why that expectation existed in the first place. And there would be zero expectations on Colorado basketball if it weren't for Tad Boyle. If Jeff Bitzdelic was still the head coach. And there is, a, there is some sense of the thinking that you set the expectation, eventually you have to meet it. And I think that's true with Tad Boyle. I think if the team underachieves again next season – then maybe there's a little bit of, uh, of uh, you know, bubbles in the water that start, that's starting to boil, uh, no pun intended. But Just a tad. Oh, God. But honestly. Those are actually those pretty good, guys, not going to lie. Like Tad Boyle, who set the program's expectation, get a very long leash to get back to that point. Because at this point, there's only been one person in the history of Colorado basketball that has proved he can bring a team to that expectation. So he's going to get every chance in the world he can to, to continue to prove that, that he's the only guy that can do this job. Historically, making the NIT for Colorado basketball is an achievement. I mean, I know it, it was – it was. I was talking to someone today or, or this week about a team that made the NIT, and he was covering them, and it was just the most miserable thing because the team wouldn't stop winning the NIT, but they were supposed to be an NCAA tournament team, but no one wanted to be there, and then they ended up – making it all the way to the Final Four of the NIT, and then they finally lost in the semifinals, but they still had a third-place game in the NIT that year. So they literally played the maximum amount of games, and everyone just hated each other, and no one wanted to be there. Yep. And <laughs> that's kind of the sense that I got out of Colorado basketball, is I mean, they didn't hate each other, and certainly some of them wanted to be there. But as I walked into the locker room Thursday night after the Arizona game, I wrote the article. I was like, the season's over. I wrote the season-closing article before the season was even over because Tad Boyle's saying that if we got the NIT bid right now, I'm not even sure I would accept it. You know, And then you walk into the locker room and the guys are just, they're having their, oh, that was just my last game as a college basketball player face. Like Wes Gordon in the UCF game was okay at times, but he was non-existent. He was not mentally there. I don't think anyone was really mentally there besides Derek White. Josh Fortune, I guess, appeared and was mentally there, but... <laughs> you know, it, it was just, I would have, if I was a betting man, I would have bet my entire savings on UCF in that game because uh, it just seemed like Colorado didn't have it. And meanwhile, they almost win the game. Derek White has a three at the end with 10 seconds left to tie it and put into overtime uh, after they were down 20. So they still fought back, uh, which was pretty incredible. But this team had been so down for so long, even with that stretch where they won 9 of 12, basically, uh, including the Washington State game, 8 of 11 to close out their regular season, and then 9 of 12 and counting that Washington State game, 
even with that stretch, it never really felt like they were rolling. I had to keep saying they had won 9 of 12, and people were like, oh, wait, they've won 9 of 12. Uh, it never really felt like they got the consistent momentum, and whenever they felt like they did get the consistent momentum, something would happen, like Johnson and Gordon getting suspended or Bryce Peters being suspended. It was just one thing after another with this team where they never really got together and cohesive as a group. I think the team, it, counting the Dom Collier injuries and the Bryce Peters suspensions and the Wes Gordon and Xavier Johnson suspensions, as a whole, they only had three or four games this season where their entire roster was available to them. Right, and I think, you know, when you talk about a team winning 9 out of 11 or 9 out of 12, you, t you think tournament team. That's a tournament team. That's a tournament quality team. At no point did they ever look like they were playing like a tournament team. And so it's this odd throwaway season where you just don't really know what to make of it. You don't know what to think of it. It's a, it's a sad, sad waste of Derek White's talent. Uh, Tad Boyle will, will probably be talking about it for years and years to come. Man, you know, I wish we could have done better by Derek White. I wish I could have had Derek White for two years. Uh, when you make the lists of, like, top players of the Tad Boyle era, Derek White's always going to be one of those guys who comes up uh, when you're building your starting five. So it's just an odd season when you look at it on paper because you're like, oh, oh, they started slow and they kind of got it together and then they, they didn't fully get it together at the end. But it never felt like they had it together the whole season. I want to talk about one guy that we haven't really talked about yet and that has received some blame for this season, but I've been staunchly against any blame that should be thrown his way, and that's George King. People were really disappointed in the year that George King had, and we talked about last year. What was the problem? Guard play. Okay, who was their biggest perimeter threat last year? George, George. King. How many perimeter threats did they have this year? Everyone on their team was a perimeter threat. George saw his usage and his shots drop by maybe half or three quarters. George just didn't really ever find a role on the team because they wanted to move him inside a little bit, but he's a perimeter player. And when you look towards next year, George and Dom are basically their two perimeter threats. I think George is going to be terrific next year. I really don't think George had a bad year. If you look at his rebounding numbers, they were great. He led the team in rebounding. George led the team in rebounding with a team with Wes Gordon and Xavier Johnson. I mean, That's more of an indictment on those two. Sure, but my point being is that George tried to play a different role. I don't want to say he succeeded, but he wasn't bad at it. And he just his, – his shooting wasn't as good this year, and he didn't get as many shots. Um, a lot of that, to me, comes down to the lack of inside-out play. Because they didn't have so Josh. so many shots from Josh Scott either passing directly out to him or – pass and kick and so that to me was the biggest thing that affected George and it's going to be the hardest thing for next year's team too they're going to have even less up front next year I mean you're talking Tory Miller that's who they have and Lucas Seward who and was who came perimeter, perimeter guy. guy yeah so they're gonna to have to figure out a new way to run the offense because Tad Boyle had the best offense he's ever had probably last season with Josh Scott kicking it out to a bunch of guys who could knock down threes well, this year, it looks like those guys, their shooting got worse. But they had a lot fewer great opportunities because there was no inside-out play. So it's going to be an interesting challenge for Tad Boyle to figure out how to get the most out of those players on the perimeter next season when there's a pretty good chance you're not going to have that inside-out play once again. Low-key, Lucas Seward made huge strides. He was great. He's a player. He can play. Uh, and he really stepped really up in my eyes. 
Yeah, I really like Lucas Seward. Uh, we still don't know what's going to happen with Bryce Peters. Uh, that situation, I think, is fluid. Uh, but they buffs. You knew it was coming. I'll just say this. From about two weeks before the season, I could have told you that Bryce Peters was going to be suspended at some point in for then, an extended period. Yeah, so, uh, but they are recruiting another guard um, out of Michigan, and they've already filled all of their scholarship spaces, so that kind of leads you to believe that they might be making a move there. Uh, a lot of people have hinted that Thomas Akizili is the guy that's going to leave. I really don't think so. Tad loves Thomas Akizili, and even though he had a poor year, uh, he really does. Poor is putting it nicely. He, he just couldn't shoot, but he really does work his butt off and practice every day, and, he, and it's not like he disappeared from the team. He was still trying to be that guy for the team. Uh, and he, it was him and George after practice every day that were there the latest and are the first on the floor. So it's not like Thomas Akizili just doesn't care. It's that he just had a bad season, Sophomore which happens. Song. Right. Um, but, you know, the other guys for next year that you haven't seen yet, Dallas Walton and Lucas uh, and Alexander Straitling, uh, they're on the team. Straitling uh, is going to be a scholarship player next year, wasn't this year. Uh, Dallas, I've never been blown away by him, honestly. And those are, the two, those are your two inside threats. So when you're looking at it for next year, you've got Torrey Miller, You've got Lucas Seward, who's more of a perimeter guy. Dallas Walton, who hasn't really established himself in my mind. Uh, and then you've also got uh, the guys coming in, Batty and Bay. And Bay is more of a perimeter guy. And Batty has a very unique skill set. Skill set. Right. He's a six foot nine guy who is gigantic. Uh, thick. And thick. He's thick. He's high key thick. He can. He likes to dribble the ball. So he's not your traditional post either. So. When you're looking at the buffs for next year, they more might be more of a traditional college basketball team where they've got Torrey Miller up front and then kind of four guard wings guys, which isn't going to open up that many shots for those guys on the perimeter uh, that are all such good shooters. Torrey Miller needs some serious – like the coaches need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with him about how he needs to stop caring about scoring because the only time Torrey Miller needs to score is when – the ball falls into his hands underneath the basket and he can dunk it. Uh, he's gotten a little bit away from what he does well. And he's, he was supposed to be a banger. He's supposed to be a guy who gets in there and gets tough, you know, swings his arms around a little bit, clears some space out in the middle. Bite a guy's ear off. And he wants to – I think he saw jo – he th I think he saw Josh Scott and he wanted to be like Josh Scott. And, you know, who doesn't want to be like Josh Scott when you're a big man? He does not have that skill set, and he never will. So Torrey Miller needs to get back to who he was in AAU, a guy who catches lobs, a guy who throws down some big dunks when it's there, and a guy who works his ass off and, you know, bruises guys around down low. All right, well, there's one good thing going on with Colorado basketball right now, and it's not Tad Boyle's team, it's J.R. Payne's. Uh, in the WNIT, they've advanced to the Sweet 16 of that tournament, 64-team uh, field. They're playing Iowa tonight at Iowa uh, with the chance to go to the Elite Eight in the WNIT. They've secured a above 500 record. Uh, and this scenario is kind of playing out like Tad Boyle's uh, first season that they are making a little bit of a run in the NIT, led by kind of a couple seniors, Haley Smith, uh, Lauren Huggins isn't playing, but a couple of older players that weren't recruited by J.R. Payne, and then a star guard who's younger, Alec Burks, Kennedy Leonard in this case, uh, and 
God damn, Kenny Leonard is so good. So good. She's a great basketball player. She, she is more – I have more fun watching Kenny Leonard this year than I have watching the men's team at all, period. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Leonard is a hell of a player. Uh, J.R. Payne has done an extraordinary job in her first season. And you know what I always say? If you're in the WNIT, you might as well win it. That was bad. <laughs> you just might as well win it. That was a very bad take. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast from the Blake wow. Street Tavern. Uh, Ali Monroy, Ryan Koenigsberg, and Jake Shapiro. I'm serious. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> just made us end I have early. nothing else to add. Uh, we're I'm not going to tell. Home anyway. Uh, thanks for listening. Read all of our content on bsndenver.com. Listen to it, watch it. All of our beautiful faces and pretty voices. Uh, Allie and I are hosting CU Sports Mag this week, so we'll shoot you a link for that if you want to see your favorite two people. Ryan's obviously not one of those people after that. Uh, so, but yeah, check it out. It'll be on Fox College Sports at some point in the week, next week, too. So check it out, as always. And thanks for listening to BSN Buff Podcast. We'll see you next week. Quit it! Bye. That's just it. Bye. <laughs>
check out their menu at weedmaps.com or for specific strains and price details or just show up to Lifeflower off Leedsdale in downtown by Glendale. Win it. Win it? No. Oh, not again. God no. damn it.